Buckle up, friends, and welcome to the Thriving Alcohol-Free Podcast. I'm your host, Deb, otherwise known as Mocktail Mom, a retired wine drinker that finally got sick and tired of spinning on life's broken record called Detox to Retox. Let this podcast be an encouragement to you if alcohol is maybe a form of self-care for you, where you find yourself dragging through the day waiting to pour another glass. I am excited to share with you the fun of discovering new things to drink when you aren't drinking and the joy of waking up each day without a hangover. It is an honor to serve as your sober fun guide. So sit back and relax or keep doing whatever it is you're doing. This show is produced for you with love from the great state of Kentucky. Thanks so much for being here and big time cheers. Okay. Hey friends, it's Deb. Welcome back to Thriving Alcohol Free. I am so excited for my guest today. A mutual friend has introduced us. We've never met before. So it's the first time we're ever chit-chatting and I cannot wait to personally meet Courtney Anderson. Thank you for being here. Courtney is a sober life coach. She is a podcast host, an author. She's the founder of Sober Vibes. And you guys, this is the founder of National Sober Day. So we're going to talk about that. And she really, she helps high achieving women quit drinking alcohol and thrive in society, which I'm all about thriving. It's not drudgery. So Courtney, it's so good to meet you. I'm so happy that Marnie Ray introduced us. Yes, I know. She's like a little matchmaker. (laughs) She is a matchmaker. Yes, we should call her. Yes, she's like the sober matchmaker. She She is. is. She's great people. So thank you, Marnie. If you are listening to this episode, thanks for the introduction. But thank you, Deb, for having me on today. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to meet you. Okay. Actually, National Sober Day. I mean, we're recording this in September. This probably won't come out until October, but I think it's tomorrow. Is that right? Yep. September 14th. Okay. How did you found that? You and Marnie founding these national days. She's the founder of National Mocktail Week. Yeah. So how did you, when did you found National Sober Day? What made you decide to do that? All of us are thankful. I'm so excited. Never thought I would talk about being sober, but here we are. How did it start? Uh, so I actually was watching a uh, reality show, <laughs> and this girl founded a holiday, a national outfit of the day. And so she explains her process. And when I was sitting there watching this, I was like, "Oh my god, there is not a national soap day." You know, like we live in a world now where there's. National Vodka Day, Margarita Day, Wine Day, Tequila Day, all of it, right? But there's no, I was like, I've never heard of this. I know that there's National Recovery Month because that had been a thing for years. So this was in like the winter time of 2019 that I then went to where you can go and find this holiday with the calendar company. And I submitted all of my information and the woman came back and she was like, it's not taken and I'm just as surprised as you are. So I I wanted to pay respect of the National Recovery Month. So that's why I I picked September and then I picked September 14th because uh, both my grandmothers died on that day, but years apart. And one had quit drinking when her oldest grandson was born and the other one she volunteered for 35 years of her life in the American Red Cross. So I just, I, those were my, my two people. So I wanted to pay tribute to them. Pay tribute to your wonderful grandmothers. Oh my goodness. Oh my word. Okay. So you fill out all this paperwork and then is it get on calendars? Like how do you, how do you put it out there that like, this is now September 14th, honoring your grandmothers, that this is national sober day. 
Yeah. So I filled out all the information, you know, for National Sober Day. I know I, I am a firm believer of celebrating it every day because I get hit with this now every year where there where there's always one or two trolls who are like, you should celebrate this every day. You're it's like, like well, uh, duh. Correct. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. But what we have to understand is it's still very hush hush because we have a lot of years to make up for that sobriety and recovery was very hushed and still very shameful. And I wanted to add an awareness to addiction because it still affects millions of people each day. It affects millions of people who are family members. So I just wanted this to be a celebration and just more of a spotlight with addiction and recovery. So after I filled out all the information, got the okay, paid for the holiday, and then it got out into the world. And of course, you know, just through the couple of years of building it up, more word of mouth gets out. And, you know, next year, because the past couple of years have been a little bit rough with what happened in 2020. Yeah. Oh, what happened? Had, Did something happen? <laughs> just a small glitch. I, had, I wasn't. <laughs> right. I had a baby in 2021, 2022. Yeah. I, I uh, was finished writing my book and then the release of the book this year. So next year, we're going to rage in Detroit and I would love for you to come. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yumi and Marnie Ray. Yes, yes, I know. So oh, yeah. and two, it's a very nice time in, in pure Michigan. And I'm not having people come in when it's like, you know, five below. Like February. September, yeah, yeah, February. September's the perfect, perfect month to come to Detroit and take in all the sites. So next year we will have a big party. Okay, I can't wait. I'm putting it on the calendar. Twenty twenty four in Michigan. I don't think I've ever been to Michigan. Well, this will be fun. Yeah. And it's on a Friday next year, so even better. So then people can take the weekend to see some sights. We're going to have a sober weekend together. Oh, that sounds so great. Okay. I can't wait. All right. So you get it on the calendar. All right. How did you break? Did you have an official like breakup with alcohol? Was it like a rough breakup? How did you get into alcohol-free lifestyle? So I got into this and I got into my new way of living in 2012, August 18th of 2012. And yes, I had to break up with it for good. For four years prior to that, I tried the moderation game. I tried fitting it into my life, you know, but by the time it was for me to give it up for good. I was good and tired. You know, I mean, I lost my rescue cat for a second time. Um, my boyfriend at the time was like, you can continue to drink, but I'm not going to be here anymore. Like I'm off this ride. And at that point I wanted off, you know, we all have that moment where whether you have these extreme rock bottoms or these just little, little ones, it's everybody's rock bottom is when they're finally like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done. You know, so that's where I was at because I knew, I just knew it. There was no going back to what it once was. There's just not. And for people who have problematic relationships with alcohol, I don't ever feel like they can go back and just casually have one to two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So were you afraid of the word sober? Like I know your book is called Sober Vibes, which I love. Were you afraid of that word or did that like make you nervous to think like, like that you were sober or were you just like, I just want to kind of tiptoe into this trying to not drink as much? No, I mean, I had, a, I had to rip that bandaid off. I didn't have a choice. I just didn't have a choice within myself anymore. And this is again, back in 2012. So the language, what is out there now was not there then, right? But I knew at 25, I quit drinking at 29. At 25, I knew I was going to have to do life without alcohol one day. I just, in my soul, I knew it. So yeah, I just ripped the bandaid off, stopped drinking that day and just went every day without drinking and I went through the process. You know, I think a lot of people want to have like these plans, these master plans, but it does not pan out that way because it's a everyone's process is different with it, you know? So you just have to not drink today. 
That is so true. That is so good because it's like, you're thinking so far ahead sometimes. I think we're thinking so far ahead. Like, how's it going to be at that wedding that I'm going to? Or how am I going to, you know, navigate all that? Just right now, just like right now, you're not drinking. And it just keeps building and building and building. Right. Because it, it, there just gets to a point, then you're like, you know, even too, if you, if you do six months without alcohol and you're like, I feel so good. Like, why do you want to go back to not yeah. feeling as good as you do today? Yeah. And alcohol will never continue to make you feel good. And that's what people, I think, have to get in their heads to understand the concept of that. There's no crush with alcohol anymore. Like It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Did you think you'd write a book? Did you think back then you'd be writing, you'd be an author? Uh, not at day one, no. I mean, I've always, since like at seven, eight years old, I always wanted to write a book and I always wanted to help people. So like, it all just kind of came about, but I'm glad it came about the way that it did because even too, I didn't even start getting into like more of coaching until I was six years sober because I really wanted to focus in on myself and heal what I needed to before taking on others, you know, because it's a big responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, to be coaching people and yeah, walking with them in their journey. Yeah, to be. Yeah, because I mean, you have to be stable in your own journey. You know, I mean, then I'm not a sober coach if I continue to drink. Right. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Definitely remove the sober part of the coaching title. <laughs> exactly. So, yes. So, but like going back to the book, yes, I'm very, you know, not at day one or even year two. I mean, it's just that it, it was my own process I had to go through. What a fulfillment since you, I mean, since you're a young child wanting to be an author. Amazing. All right. So it's called Sober Vibes, A Guide to Thriving in the First Three Months Without Alcohol. Let's talk about that a little bit about thriving, because I think people, I know I was, I was so afraid, like, here comes the drudgery, here comes my life is going to suck without, you know, my Chardonnay. So yeah, how do you help people? How do you encourage them to thrive, especially in the beginning when it's, when it can be so hard? I think everybody has this definition of like thriving because of what has been put out there, especially to in like a hustle culture, right? So my definition of thriving is to not overwhelm yourself, especially in such a life-changing decision. When you quit drinking alcohol, you are changing your life 1,000%. Whether you think it is a big deal or not, it's a big deal because of what the consistency and the compound effect turns into. So my definition of thriving is to be empowered and not overwhelmed. You know, same thing with everybody's definition of success is differently, right? You know, and when I sat in AA, when I went back to AA a couple of years into my sobriety, I sat there and listened. And that was where Sober Vibes was formed because I sat and listened to women. I sat at a women's table and I'm like, there's got to be more to this because I need it more. And that's really with the thriving, the word thriving, it's it's more of an empowerment because what I want people to do, I don't want people to rely on me forever for their sobriety and recovery. I don't. I want people to be able to stand on their own two feet and make decisions for themselves in this sober life of what's best for them. So that's how my book angles. And it, especially too, it really is about your own journey and not what your Uncle Bob did 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I love just like not not being overwhelmed. Because honestly, like you're so right, like in this hustle culture, it's like you have to do everything, be on every app, be this, be that, do that. And it's like enough is enough, like just not just tread water, but like really thrive in whatever it is you're doing. And you don't have to be overwhelmed with everything else. 
Right. And a lot of people who do have problems with alcohol are, one, the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. Okay. And a lot of highly overachievers. That's why they turn to drinking to turn it off. So that's why with my approach on how I handled it, it's exactly that. Like, do not overwhelm yourself because simply there's going to be days where not drinking alcohol is all you can do in that day. Yep. No, you're exactly right. Sometimes like in the beginning for me, it was like, I just have to get myself to bed. Like I have to get myself to bed before I open up some Chardonnay. Yeah. Because it's such a habit. It's not, you know, not even to whether you believe that that is an addiction, because some people don't, but I come from, I do believe it's an addiction and how your brain is also wired. But that habit, that habit you got into, like you really have, there's some nights where it's like, just go the F to sleep. Yep. Just go to sleep. <laughs> just go to sleep. Yes. Just go to sleep and wake yeah. up the next day. You know, and I say, I'm a huge fan of telling people just nap. Don't think now it's like, oh my God, is this another escapism to like not deal with life? No, you're going through post-acute withdrawal syndrome. You're tired. You beat your body up for so many years. Now it's time to rest and just do what you can do each day to not overexert yourself and overwhelm. Yeah. That's thriving. That is thriving. Sometimes the healthiest thing we can do is take a nap. Take a nap. I actually remember my pastor, I used to live out in California, and I remember him saying in a sermon once something about like, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. And I was like, amen. I mean, it wasn't that kind of a church where people like yell amen in the pews, but I was about to yell it out. <laughs> right. But, yeah. it, but it's true, you know, and like, and you know, the first couple months, you're tired. You are tired and your body is recovering from the damage that it does, but it, it's true. A, a nap is a spiritual a, experience. A nap is a spiritual experience. Yes. I am a big believer in naps. I actually was on some kind of, I don't know, was it was a podcast or like a YouTube thing. And they asked me like, what are, what something about what I'm good at? I'm like, I'm really good at sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm best at. <laughs> but I, and I have to say that though, Deb, like it took me when I got sober, I, cause I went from bartending to then a seven to three job, you know, so I was nighttime then to daytime. So I had to work so hard on my, like getting sleep trained at 29, 30 years old. Wow. And like, yeah, now it's like, good night. Good night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, we're like, people think like, oh, you shouldn't be sleeping. You should be active doing things I'm like, no, I need to like, you need to rest. Yeah. It shouldn't come as a surprise that I am a massive fan of Geeson's 0% wines. And I am so proud to have them as the exclusive non-alcoholic wine sponsor of the Thriving Alcohol-Free Podcast. If you're reducing your alcohol intake, Geeson's alcohol removed wines are a phenomenal alternative without sacrificing anything except maybe a hangover. Geeson's 0% wines are not grape juice in a wine bottle. There is some serious science that goes into every single bottle of their alcohol removed options. Their full strength wines go through advanced spinning cone technology where the alcohol is removed, but the wine maintains the aroma and the body to create a low calorie wine that never contains more than 0.5 ABV. Friends, I was not good at science, but the Geeson winemaker Duncan, he sure was. So I trust the magic of Geeson's alcohol removed deliciousness. Geeson comes from the Marlboro region of New Zealand, widely available in global markets. If I can get it here in Kentucky, you can probably find it where you are too. And don't worry if you've been saying it wrong. I said it wrong for the longest time. It's Geeson, spelled G-I-E-S-E-N. Sounds like the geese that maybe you see at the park. I hope you love it. Okay, can we talk a little bit about like when somebody like first stops drinking, right? They're in the beginning stages and that the grief that people go through. I know I went I didn't expect that. Like, I remember going to Trader Joe's to shop, seeing a little wine store, 
And I literally wanted to lay down on the floor in front of all the bottles of wine and flail around like a little kid. I felt like I I missed it. Like I missed my, it was my friend. It sounds so stupid to say. And I was, it doesn't, right? <laughs> Tell me it doesn't sound stupid. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I felt so like, how, what, how can I miss this stupid thing? Yeah. So I found this, this is how I understood it as a grieving process. Six weeks into my sobriety, my grandmother passed away. No, like a, a month into my sobriety. Okay. And then after Sweet Jerry passed away, I promised her that I would give up cigarettes. I wrote her a letter, put it in her casket. I flew back home to Detroit. I was like, okay, bye. So then I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because there would be days that I'm like, I'm not crying about my grandmother. She lived a great life. She lived till she was like 82, right? Like, I think anything after 80 is okay to say goodbye. And I'm like, oh my God, I am crying because I can't have cigarettes and booze. And that it was in the process where I was like, oh, I now have to start grieving two of my best friends. And then the person I once was, because for me, it was like, who am I when I'm not like the Courtney, the party girl, right? So it's not only alcohol, it's then your old identity. An identity shift in work and mindset is huge. And that was another one I just recently learned of becoming a mom two years ago. Like taking on that new identity as a mother, I was like, oh my God. It's a whole new, yeah, whole, you brought a whole new role. Yeah, you're right. Role. So like even when you walk into this alcohol-free life, sober life, however you want to identify, it's a new you. So then going back to seeing bottles at Target, seeing the shirts with the little sayings on it, then you find yourself either having minty bees, which I like to call mental breakdowns, or <laughs> minty bees. Is that what you call it? Minty bee? Minty bee. That's funny. We had a mint to be challenge, like a mocktail, mint, mint mocktail challenge, minty bee. Okay. That's a whole new take on it. <laughs> so you're having a minty bee in a, in a fun way. It's just a fun way of saying it, right? Like in front of these bottles, you're crying because you see the neighbors walking around with red solo cups. Like you feel that longing, like you feel like you're missing out, but you're like, it's not fully like I'm missing out. It's just like this part of my life is over which it's a good thing. And the grieving process waits for nobody. So even if you're not grieving in the first couple months, that first year, you bet your ass, year two, three, four, five, six, seven, it will come up. Sometime it will come up in a process where you go through the steps of grieving. Even too, when people start bargaining with themselves, like, I wasn't that bad. I can, I can drink. I've gone 90 days without drinking. I've gone 60 days. I've gone a year without drinking. I can do it. It's like, no, now you're starting to bargain with yourself that it really wasn't bad. And that's where I always tell people to step in and do more work on themselves and to like really understand how alcohol played that role because it's very easy in that bargaining stage to go back. Interesting. Okay. And what you just said, the grieving process waits for no one. Okay. So there's a gal, actually I have a membership and one of the gals, my membership is past, her, yeah, she's in her second year of alcohol-free lifestyle. And We've talked about how like this year is so different than last year and it's shocking her. She's like, I don't know what how to process these feelings of like, I she didn't expect it. And so, but yeah, it's like maybe if you didn't grieve in that first year, it's this year or it's, you know, different feelings, right? Throughout the process. 
Yeah, because that first year is very like anticlimactic. You get to that first year and you think like, I don't know, a bird's going to swoop down and like put a crown on your head and be like, yeah, and like a parade's going to go. Sober crown. Yes, 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 yes. Parade's going to like go like start marching in front of your house. And then you're like, oh, okay, I get to this year and there's like no magical unicorns flying around my head. I have to keep going. And then that's where other things start to come up because sometimes it takes a year or two for just people to get their clarity and to process these feelings that were suppressed and are coming up, but also too in that grieving. Like, because for me, I know I was just trying to get to that first first milestone. Like, give me just to that first year. Like, I just need to make it to that first year and things will get better. But no no matter where you go, there you are, right? So it's just like you you do, you have to start processing feelings that you never processed before without alcohol. And that's why every year of sobriety, it's very different. It's different. different. It's so true. Yeah. And there's different things you're going through, you know, different mm-hmm. seasons or different life events. Do you do certain things to celebrate, like to celebrate your milestones? Or is there anything special you do for yourself? Like I know, on my soberversary, like my husband and I went downtown and got mocktails at this restaurant that served mocktails. Not that it's like anything fancy, but like I, I want to do a little something. I'm coming up on my thousandth day. I have a little necklace I ordered with a comma on it, like to celebrate my comma club. So just, I don't know, is there anything that you do, you've done that like has made you happy on, on celebrating your sobriety? Yeah, every year. I mean, to me, that's more important to my birthday because it was when life started over for me, right? When, or I should say when my life really started for me. And because we're so fortunate where we have these two lives in one and there was life with drinking and life after drinking. So yeah, I've done trips. I have bought myself a nice watch with an engraving on, on it. Uh, I have bought myself a nice purse. Uh, what did we do this, this past year? We then just went to, it's called Greenfield Village. Because now I have a two-year-old, so now it's like you're like we're going to Disneyland, (laughs) (laughs) right? That will we'll do that one here, but it's just like I make it a big deal because it is a big deal. Courtney, I love that you said that it is a big deal. It's a big deal, yeah, and it's to be celebrated and to live it out loud, yeah. Because for a lot of people, if they would have continued to drink, they would have died. You know, more and more, I am seeing younger people die from drinking themselves to death. And when I say younger, like 40, it's very sad on where drinking and drug use and all of it can take people. So it is a big deal, you know, and I I will forever celebrate it. And I hope everybody does. I love it. Yeah. And even if it's not necessarily death, it's death of yourself, of your spirit. You know, you're just that road is going one direction, you know, one direction. Yeah. So celebrate it for people who are listening. Don't ever let anybody take that away from you because it's not, you know, even too, I'll see it on uh, social media. I don't really live in the comments section anymore on a lot of social media, but I have seen it where people are like telling other people, well, you still think about alcohol. And it's just, it just makes me laugh because it's like, no, nobody's living in the past. <laughs> People are celebrating. Yeah, we're celebrating that we've moved forward. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, so don't let any troll or, you know, even real life troll, if you have a couple trolls in your life, don't let them take that away from you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so did you drink alcohol free drinks when you first stopped drinking? Do you drink alcohol free drinks now? I know some people don't, which is fine. Like some people, it's more of like a trigger. So I would never, I would never encourage anybody to try alcohol free drinks if it's something that would, you know, be like a slippery slope. But how are you on that? 
I really like the NA beers. Okay, yeah, good. The the NA wines I cannot mess with because it was it's still like it makes my eye twitch a little bit. That to me, but like and if there's mocktails out, I will get one. Everyone always is like, what's your favorite mocktail? I'm like, it just depends on my mood. Yeah, like, yeah, what you're eating, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like but to me, oh my god, my husband and I finally tried around this past winter that N.A. Guinness. And I was like, this is oh, so yeah. good. Good. Yeah. It's like the real deal, right? Yeah. So I, I like I like the beers. I like okay. The beers. Okay. So the Guinness, are there other ones? What other ones do you like? That Heineken one. You can't mess with that Heineken one. That Heineken one like consistently is very good. There's one called Best Day Ever. They have a good IPA. Athletic Brewing. Their IPA is very good. There's a lot. I like to try a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you get to Chicago? I know there's Go Brewing. I haven't been up to their brewery. They're a non-alcoholic beer company and they're up in Chicago. So I don't know. No, but I, I would like to try If you're that. ever in Chicago, if you ever go there for a trip, yes, yes, Go Brewing. It's excellent. So let's talk about just like clarity in sobriety. Like when someone is in their alcohol-free journey, how do you help them to just have clarity of mind? With the clarity, people are going to come to that in their own, right? Some people, it comes to them very quickly, and then some others, it takes a minute, you know? But like I said, people have to come to that on their own. So if I ever help up with clarity, it's just really asking questions of, what do you want? Yeah, yeah, helping them come to, it's almost like what's inside already, guiding it out. Right, but a lot of people have hard times trusting their gut. In sobriety, that is what, and I talk about it too in the book, you have to use your inner voice as like your compass, as your guidance for the day. Even if that inner voice is telling you like, you know what, maybe you shouldn't go to this event tonight. Listen to it. So it really just comes down to now starting to trust that inner voice and taking action on that because it's never going to lead you into a wrong place. Never. Mm, good advice. That's really, really, really good advice. And too, when we were in our drinking, we just ignored it and shut it up because we weren't healthy-minded people. Yeah, absolutely. What about for people who are maybe trying to socialize new in their alcohol-free journey? What advice would you give them as they socialize? Yeah, so this is a huge one. My thing with socializing early on is, well, one, I always tell people to try to take a 30-day break, especially those first 30 days, okay? I'm not saying go home and be a hermit, but I'm just saying don't add any extra on for the week, right? If you have to go to your son's soccer game, cool, go, but don't go out to pizza with them afterwards where it was pizza and beer for the parents and then the kids are just sitting there. Just do what you need to do, nothing extra. But if there is an event you have to do, or you did do like 30 days of, of not extra socializing, then it's time that you take it out to the streets and do what I like to call my 60-minute rule. And that's you just go out for an hour, 60 minutes. That is plenty of time to show up, be social, get what you want from that, and then leave before you could possibly be triggered and relapse. And that also you're starting to set a boundary with yourself. For so long, I sat in uncomfortable situations where I felt like I was crawling out of my skin. I would leave, go get in my car, cry all the way home, being like, these other people don't feel this way. 
nobody knows that I'm having an ugly cry, you know, driving at 45 miles per hour, just sobbing on a Friday night because I stayed past the point of what my body and myself was comfortable with. And if I would have just stayed for the hour, I would have left, been like, you know what? That felt good. You feel empowered. You're thriving. Yes. Feel empowered and not have felt so overwhelmed and just like, you know, then started to mentally beat yourself up of like, you're a loser. Why can't you drink? You know what I mean? Like those thoughts, like what's wrong with you? All of it. Like an hour is plenty. And then if you're having such a good time after an hour, you then decide if you're ready to leave or not. And if you're not, go an hour and a half. Listen to your internal clock every 30 minutes. And then if you're like, you know what, by two hours, I'm good and tired, then it's time to leave. Yeah, that is so good in setting those boundaries because, yeah, you feel like, oh, I have to go. I should go. Oh, I have to be there. Or No, no, you don't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, make your little appearance, whatever, and then be done. Clock right. out. Because, and, and this is what I know from socialization. And I also know this because then, too, I went back to bartending in my sobriety. When the cocktails start flowing with people, it's like after an hour. The conversation changes a lot. Yeah. Then you start getting on to planet Pluto with people. But <laughs> but then... It's true, isn't it? I used yeah. to live on planet Pluto. You, right. And you repeated the same story five times, probably was like sweating and like, like, it's just, it's a hot mess. But this is the thing. People do not care that you are leaving. What they care about is the numbers in the room on how many people are going to stay for their event. And when they've been cocktailing, then it's like, what do you mean you want to leave? This is the most funnest night I've ever had in my life, which in reality, it's not. Like you just told me the same story five times that happened six years ago. It's just not. So like really what people have to understand, it's like when these people say like, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? It has nothing to do with you. It's them. People are selfish by nature. So they just want you to stay. They want everybody to stay. They want their grandma Jean to be there who's 95. <laughs> everybody come because we're just going to sit around and drink. Yeah, you're exactly right. Very empowering advice. 60 minute rule. Yep. Easy. It is easy. Yeah. And give yourself grace and just like, okay, clocking out. I was here. Done. Yep. Listen to your intuition. Excellent advice, Courtney. Thank you. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you. So your podcast is Courtney Recovered, right? And you have two Instagrams, is that right? You have Courtney Recovered, but you have Sober Vibes. That's your that's your sober. Yeah. So my website's Courtney Recovered. Sobervibes.com is taken, which I'm very upset about. So Courtney Recovered is the blog that I started years and years ago. So I've just kept that. But so CourtneyRecovered.com is my website. Sober Vibes is my podcast. Oh, okay. Sorry, I said the wrong name. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. And then I party most on Sober Vibes on Instagram out of all these 1 million social medias we have now. <laughs> okay. And literally, they keep come more. Like, why? I even jo- I joined that stupid threads thing. I'm like, why? I don't need anything else to do. I don't need anywhere else to post. Yeah, I did. I did the same thing too. And I like kept consistent for like two weeks. And then I was like, <laughs> I think I, we all did. Like, I think the entire world showed up and then we were like, you know what? Actually, we're fine over at the other party on Instagram. We don't need this. Yeah. Like that's another thing. It's like on these apps, we have to really take in consideration to like energy in and energy out. And really, especially too, if you have boundaries with it, because it's very easy then to be like, oh, five hours later, my day is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Jolene Park, who came up with gray area drinking, 
she actually calls it the new form of day drinking is scrolling on social media, you know, and it's so true. Yeah. Well, that's why it's just like you can't be on all of them. And I have to say this, and I don't want anyone to unfollow Deb, but if you are following 100 and 1,000 sober and recovery accounts and listening to all the podcasts and reading all of the books, and this is from somebody too who just had their book released, stop. Yeah, it's too much. (laughs) It's it's too too much. much. It's too much. Yep. Because at the end of the day, you are then sitting there with yourself and you're going to be start comparing it. And I've said this to before where women have come to me and they're like, I listen to all of these podcasts. I read all of these books. Why am I not doing this right? And that's why with my book, I made it the way that it to tailor to what's good for you. And it's such a mental release. When you stop following all of this, because a lot too, then you're going to get people who are talking the same thing, but in different languages, and you're not going to understand it. So just follow a couple for now. Just follow the people that you're like, all right, cool. This this is what I need. Yeah. yeah and, and what I feels good with. for your journey, right? Because everybody's, di- yeah, it's totally different for everybody. Okay. I just love you. Oh, Thank love you, you so too. much. You're Seriously. Welcome. Thank you for doing this with me today. I cannot wait for this episode to come out. And tomorrow, I know we're, I know when this comes out, it'll be after. But uh, happy National Sober Day, Courtney. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Big time cheers to you for tuning in to the Thriving Alcohol-Free Podcast. I hope you will take something from today's episode and make one small change that will help you to thrive and have fun in life without alcohol. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social, send up a flare, or leave a rating and a review. I am cheering for you as you discover the world of non-alcoholic drinks and as you journey towards authentic freedom. See you in the next episode.